Fry Gave a 13th Horror Podcast is a proud independent podcast. To learn more about the show, visit frygay13.com. Welcome to Frygay the 13th Romantic Comedy Podcast. My name is Maddie. And I'm Andrew. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, this is the podcast where we talk all about romantic comedies in the movies and romantic comedy in real life. You heard that right, and that's how we've always done it. And that's how we always will. It's episode 115. Gaslighting is terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the pie, we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! When do we want it? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes, that is better. What you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening. Gaslighting. Merriam-Webster has named gaslighting their word of the year for 2022. They explain, quote, in this age of misinformation, of fake news, conspiracy theories, Twitter trolls, and deep fakes, gaslighting has emerged as a word for our time. Welcome to another episode of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name, this time it really is Maddie. And this time it really is Andrew. Uh, we, were, we were pulling a prank on you, right? We were, we were gaslighting you. We were gaslighting your ass. Um, we'll talk more about that very soon. Um, listen, if this is your first time with Friday the 13th Horror Podcast... We're not a romantic comedy podcast. No, we were joking. Uh, we were gaslighting you again. Um, instead, we are the podcast that talks about horror, horror in real life and in the movies from an LGBTQ perspective. This is our 115th episode, and we're talking about gaslighting today. Um, so we've got a good show cooked up for you and a couple of really great. This is actually one of my favorite duos of films that we've ever had. Uh, the Invisible Man from 2020. And uh, let's scare Jessica to death from 1971. Um, it was just really fun to watch these. Yeah, I will totally. I'm, I mean, we'll get into it, but like, I've never been like so excited to watch the movies yeah. for the podcast. So, <laughs> like, yeah, I guess cool. I guess we should do that more often. I don't know why we torture ourselves, but you well, know. you know, it's like actually, you know, for for listeners, if there just happens to be a new listener right now. Obviously, you know, welcome to the podcast. What we do is we talk about, you know, a particular theme, which we're doing gaslighting today. And then we choose two horror films that connect to to that theme. So these ones, they, they just fit perfectly. Um, and we'll we'll get into that very soon. But first, Andrew, we'll start the episode as we always do with the certified terrifying corner. Um, the first, yay, we the first thing we'll, we'll talk about is um, we'll talk about this one first because it'll probably be pretty quick. Um an elderly man with poor memory is how Joe Biden was described in a summary from special counsel Robert Herr of the Justice Department just this week uh, with diminished faculties in advancing age, quote unquote. 
Not great for an election year for an 81-year-old. Yikes. So wait, where did where did this come from? So this was a summary brief. Uh, so d- d- th- th- there was an investigation into how Joe Biden was handling top secret documents, and like, okay, this is this kind of happens to most presidents, really. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it yeah, happened yeah. to Donald Trump uh, with with the big news of uh, at, at Mar-a-Lago. He had boxes and boxes of them. But like, as far as I know, nearly every president has had some sort of issue with like documents they probably shouldn't have in a particular place and so just it just don't just take happened. anything home you guys like yeah, yeah just like leave it in the fucking oval office anyways um some kind of investigation that they, they would have questioned president biden and this was the main special counsel investigator he wrote in the summary brief that he's an elderly man with poor memory with diminished faculties and advancing age so of course this is a big deal in, yeah. in an election year. And like, look, it, it it's, you know, look. It's not new I news, don't, I'll right, tell you that. I don't, <laughs> right. I don't want Joe Biden to lose this election, given that we only have these two, these two as a choice. These, these two, these two. Exactly. <laughs> but like, look, I mean, this is, I mean, like, are, are, are we all dumb? Like, we knew that this was going to happen. We knew it was going to happen. And like, whether or not he is like he's he's actually good or not, because honestly, like Andrew, you and me, we don't fucking know. We don't know what actually is going on. Whether or not he's good or not, this was always going to be an issue, and yeah. now it's really in the forefront because ostensibly, a guy like like Robert Hur, who is supposed to be completely you know nonpartisan here. Um, wrote this, and it's all over the news now. So President Biden got pissed and did a little. He mentioned it some in some speech, and then like I, I did see some spokesperson for the White House do do a press conference, and that dude was pissed. He was pissed. Yeah. So you it, know what it's, I, you it's know, wild. What I will say is something something happened that made me a little bit freaked out. And what happened? I was listening to a podcast, and they had AOC on okay. as a guest, and they had the guffaw basically to ask hey if something happens to biden given his advanced age does the democratic party have a plan and even aoc was like i don't know and i was like that's not good you guys like come on like it's not good at all i mean look it's <sighs> it, it, it goes back i would say two elections ago you know instead of constantly looking at who is the the mainstream moderate candidate the the Democratic Party has not developed the younger part of its party, and yeah, so no, I totally agree. I think that 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 we have a wealth of knowledge in our older Democrats that don't that don't extend that down. I completely agree with so. you, and and so here we are now with you know an eighty. I mean, like, look, no matter what you think about him, he's eighty. He is eighty one years old. Like right. I, we're frankly, lucky to make we're lucky right. to make it to that age. Yeah, <laughs> and like I I don't want an eighty one year old. As, as president, because, yeah, like, look, my, my mom is is well over 80. I remember when she turned 80, the, the woman shouldn't have been president. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, my, like, my, come my on. grandma just turned 80 last 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 year. And oh, bless guess her. what? Shouldn't be president. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, this is how it is. Anyways, that's that. Um, next right. next one here is um, this is really, really interesting. Uh, a mother in Michigan, uh, Jennifer Crumbly, was found yeah, guilty of involuntary manslaughter 
after her teen son's murderous rampage at Oxford High School in 2021. If I remember, that's not too far outside of Detroit. Um, she will serve. Nothing is in Michigan. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know, it might have been in the UP or something. It's a big state, Andrew. Nothing happens in the UP. Shut it's up. a very, it's a very big state. Uh, look, uh, she's going to serve 15 years, and she is the first parent to be convicted in such a case. Good. Um, yeah, it's look. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, l- listening, listening to the the facts of the case, so wild, and like this kid. I mean, look, the, the the kid the kid deserves to be punished for the rest of his life for what he did. That 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 goes without saying. However, this is a this was a child that was reaching out for help over and over and over again. His mom actually, did you know this? The mom laughed at him when he said that he wanted to go talk to a psychologist. She laughed at him. This is what I'm. This is I. I think I've kind of like alluded to this, you know, many times on the podcast. But if if we're going to if we're gonna say that like oh we gotta protect the kids we have to protect the kids from the drag queens we have to protect the children they're so they're so precious we have to protect the children he's going nuts folks he's going like we have to hold the parents accountable then i totally agree yeah i mean with the territory i don't know what to tell you (laughs) the parent the parents did not get the child help that he needed and not only did they not get him help they literally bought him a gun for christmas they bought him a gun like are you fucking are you fucking dumb like your kid clearly has fucking problems and you buy him a fucking gun like you're 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 an asshole and and you know what the dad his child's gonna come up soon too i hope his ass goes to jail too good night hope you go to jail yeah (laughs) okay that's that um and finally this uh episode will be our sixth year anniversary so andrew happy six years yeah, six fucking years. More than yeah. some jobs I've had. For real. <laughs> so. um, you know, it's uh it's it's wild. I you know, we 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 tell the story often, but we never thought we'd be doing it for more than ten episodes. And uh a hundred and forty uh five episodes later <laughs> from those from those first ten. Um, look at us, we're still going. Not 145. I just did the math wrong. Um well, 100, no, I 105. Mean, 105. Well, I mean, with all of our special episodes and oh, interviews and yeah. everything, we're probably yeah. right around there. So, so yeah, folks, this is our sixth year of doing podcasting uh, and doing of doing this podcast, of course. Um, and we're looking forward to doing a whole lot more for you. So, thanks for being with us for the ride. And let's get on with our sixth year right now with episode one fifteen. So, and that, Andrew, and that being said, you should leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Good night. Hello, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so, Andrew, we're talking about gaslighting today. Yes. Um, you've uh, you've gotten the definition for it. Why don't you read it for us? Yes. So the Merriam-Webster definition, which was just added actually not too long ago, I think it was in 2021, Hmm. uh, of gaslighting is a psychological manipulation of a person usually over an extended period of time that causes the victim to question the validity of their own thoughts, perception of reality, or memories, and typically leads to confusion, loss of confidence, and self-esteem. Uncertainty of one's emotion or mental stability and dependency on the perpetrator. Sounds like a lot of managers yeah. that I've had for in real the past. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the, I, I'd say that the only umbrage that I take with, well, it's not even umbrage, the only like criticism that I would have of the definition is that like it does sort of put emphasis on like a longer term thing. And I, I think that, that gaslighting can also be, can be short term too. 
Oh, of um, course. Yeah. You know, so it, there, there's sort of like two two lengths of it. Like it can happen in little blips or it can happen over a long length of time. I mean, and we, wouldn't, case, we wouldn't have reality TV without gaslighting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And, and in, in either case, it is abuse. And it happens all the time. It happens in families. It happens in relationships. It happens in friendships. It happens in uh, professional relationships. Um, and it is, it's, it's, um, it's something that I'm really glad has been named in recent years because I, I feel like so many of us have been victims of it and never had a word for it. And then sure. you have the word and then you're like, oh yeah, that's what happened. That's what it is. It's really interesting. Yeah. So do you know where this actually, this term comes from? I know a little bit, but tell me more. So this term actually comes from um, a British play turned into a film Ooh. in the 1930s, which I've never seen. Um, the play was called Gaslight, and the plot is about a husband who mentally and emotionally manipulates his wife into believing that she is crazy by changing the intensity of the gas lamps within their home. Oh, my God. Uh, he does other crazy making things like knocking on the walls or moving and disappearing items around the house. Uh, it, it's basically like, the, you know, the, it, it's what the term is, but I actually yeah. didn't know that it came from like a play, like it, it, and like the fact that it actually comes from like gas lamps, which listen, we have a little kerosene lamp coming up in the, in the movies yeah. very uh, soon, but like, yeah, I just thought that that was very interesting. I had never heard that that actually came from like a term that someone made up. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, it's really interesting, and I, I haven't seen. Um, I've, I've, I've heard of Gaslight before, and I, I sort of knew that that the term came from it, but I've never had the occasion to watch it yet. Can you um, imagine having the time and the energy to manipulate your partner in, in that way? <laughs> like, seriously, like, you know, it's it's wild. I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I mean, have you ever had a partner gaslight you? Um. I, I think like I have definitely had partners and or friendships that have tried to uh, manipulate my thoughts into oh, yeah. a, into a certain way. Like, obviously, like, you know, we, we have so many things going on in the world and you're you, you have to be careful of what is conversation and what is manipulation. And I think that that's, that's an, something like really interesting. That, no, I mean, it's just. When you when you're talking about like anything, really, I mean, anything we talk about on this podcast, you you have to like come at it from like an analytical standpoint instead of just like a oh, I agree with you standpoint. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. Um, I, I think that that's a really hard thing to do in life because I think that we as humans are just accustomed to you know roll with the punches and um just kind of agree agree to disagree like all those all those terms that we're we, instead of just like being analytical about it and really like putting our own thoughts behind it i think that's really hard to do if i'm being honest yeah i, I mean i i think that in in friendships it's it's really easy actually to be manipulated yeah with, totally with, with, with gaslighting because I, I i think it's a lot less about this like sort of like like discussion and more about like the way that people make you feel yeah and like totally. and the way that people mold you into thinking that you've done something wrong or that like i don't know that that you need or just to like feel, shooting you down feel, your confidence like sure or, or you need to feel guilty about something or whatever like that that stuff is that's happened a lot and you know like there are i mean there are definitely people like even from the last few years that i don't talk to anymore 
because well, and it's like, really, I don't, I don't need that in my life, period. And it's really easy to fall under that spell too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you my, in my relationship with my ex-fiance and we don't have to go too deep into it, but like definitely a lot of gaslighting going on. And like, there was, there was a lot of codependency to begin with. So I was sort of like already really vulnerable uh, and really, sure really sort of like coded to be ready for it almost, if that makes sense. Um, but I can tell you the, the, the gaslighting that it did to me, I would not have been on the antidepressant that I was on if he had not gaslit me. Yeah. Ben literally made me believe that I needed to go see a psychiatrist and get on a pill. And I yeah. did. And I did. If you were, I mean, you, you were there, you remember this. And that like, like when I look back on it now, it's wild to me because, you know, I think most people would think that I'm a really strong person, that I'm really, you know, uh, extroverted, that, that I've got, that I'm really confident, all the rest of it, right? That's what people would normally think about me. Um, but I was in such a state in that relationship that he knew he could manipulate me. And look, why he did that, I have no fucking idea. And I'm never going to know. But he did. And I'll, uh, th- that was the first time that I really realized when somebody finally told me that that's what was going on. I was like, oh, oh my God, you're, you're fucking right. And I just didn't, I didn't realize it, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. I, I definitely had a lot of boyfriends like um, early on after I came out that just said like, oh, you, you're too emotional or you're too, oh like, my God, like you're too, you fall too hard or like you're like you, you like me more than I like you. And like those type of situations where I was like, I, I'm sorry, like I can't help that. These are just the way I feel. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, well, and it's, and and so, it's, like, it's, it's so manipulative for somebody to be like, oh, you like me more than, than I like you. Instead right. of just being like, I don't like you. Right. <laughs> and walk, like, and walking away just, from it. Can we just be frank about it and just yeah. be like, hey, I'm not really into this. And I'm oh, like, okay, I guess, I guess not. Absolutely like, crazy. It, it was just, honestly, it was so refreshing when I met Michael, yeah. who, who is now my husband, is just, we were very just, upfront about our emotions and just like hey like i like you hey i like you like it's it's not that difficult i don't understand why people feel the need i don't feel like i don't understand why people feel the need to play these like games with emotions it's it's wild well i mean i i think i think that gaslighters are are typically going to be probably people who have their own set of uh of mental um mental issues that, that they need to deal with. Right. Um, sure. and, yeah. and, and they have their own, they, they're, they are people, you know, like hurt people, hurt people. And I would say that most people that gaslight are people that have been hurt themselves and they've learned it from somebody else. It just keeps going on and on because that's how abuse perpetuates itself. And yeah. so, you know, that's, that's what happens. But I think too, like it happens in even smaller ways, you know, like, um, for me, I, I was, I was somebody who was always told that I was an anxious person and this is by mm-hmm. family, by friends, by fucking everybody. And so if if I was ever just like reacting to something like that in a way that my body inside just reacted, right? Like my body's just doing what it's doing and my brain is doing what it's doing. The number of times people have told me, just calm down or just take a breath or it's not that big of a deal or whatever. Like, I don't think people understand how much that is gaslighting. And like, and how much that makes the person that, that is experiencing it, i.e. me feel even worse about the situation. 
and like yeah. feel like I'm in some kind of hole that I can't get out of because I'm just experiencing what I'm experiencing. You know what I mean? Right. And, and that's just it. And it wasn't until I had a therapist, the best therapist in the world, Carrie, I miss you. Um, it wasn't until I had a therapist tell me, you know what, Maddie, you don't have an anxiety problem. <laughs> it wasn't until she told me that, that I, that I realized once again that I was being gaslit by people. It's just, it's a crazy thing how, how gaslighting works. Absolutely well, wild. And, and honestly, like, like I said before, it's really easy to fall into. My God, yes. Like, like it's so easy to get inside your own head and just be like, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's like fucking Taylor Swift saying, I'm the problem. It's me. Like, no, maybe it's not. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe it's, maybe it's somebody else. Right. Now, Andrew, I know that you've got some examples of gaslighting. Do you want to tell us about them? Yeah. So, I, so there's basically like, I, this is five, but I only put four because I thought the other one was kind of dismissive. Okay. So I only have, they're, they're kind of like four main types of gaslighting. So the first one is coercive or co- coercion. So co- that's a really hard word for me to say right coercion. now. Coercion. Um, so co- I'm not going to say it anymore. That, that word <laughs> um, gaslighting is the manipulation of a person's reality in order to persuade them to do something by using threats or force. The, so this can take many forms, uh, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, and even financial abuse. Uh, usually there's nothing wrong with the victim. The, the coercion <laughs> is the abuser's way of hiding something in themselves Makes that sense. they struggle with. That's it right there. So, there you go. It's kind of like saying, like for an example, it would be like someone being like, oh, we never have sex anymore, but they're really like dealing with like a sex addiction. Like right, that, sure. you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's that kind of a, I'm going to, I'm going to take my problem and put it on you. You yeah. know what I mean? You're the cause, co- you're the cause for my problem. You are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. So the next one is outright lying. I think that we kind of understand what this is. So the gaslighter will use lying in order to establish power and control by positioning their grasp on reality as a superior to the victim. Um, this can take many, many forms. There, there's, in my opinion, unless you're dealing with a, how do I say this? Unless you're dealing with like something that's very traumatic to a person that doesn't understand, I think lying is the worst thing you can do to a person because it makes them it makes them question their own reality. I think that sometimes people that are struggling with a a really devastating thing like sometimes maybe not telling them everything is okay because you don't want to gaslight them in a different way. <laughs> if that makes well, any I mean, sense. Well, I mean that there there's a difference between not not, you know, being selective in 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 how you express something or, right. you know, you know, maybe leaving out a couple of details that, that are, you know, maybe you leave them out for a highly personal reason, or maybe it's, right. tra- maybe it's traumatic for you to tell them, or maybe, you know, you just don't want to tell somebody about something and that's, that's okay. You don't have to do that. But lying is something different. Lying is somebody asks you something and you deliberately tell them a falsehood. Right. And, and, and that is the, it's, it's breaking one of, one of the most essential parts of what makes us human, which is, well, what makes us human in community, I should say, which is trust. You know, how can you trust somebody if they're lying to you? And, and the reality is once somebody lies to you in one way, how do you know they're not lying to you in a thousand others? And, yeah. and that's, that's, that's the thing. I 
I can't stand a liar. I'm going to I'm going to be honest. I hate lying. I, I I understand why people feel the need to do it sometimes because they feel a certain guilt or like whatever, but like you need to come with the truth. I I don't know what to tell you. Like <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> Anyway, we, 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 we could have a whole a whole episode I know, about that. I, think. I know. All right. The next one is scapegoating. So I think we kind of all understand scapegoating, but scapegoating is the deflection of blame away from the responsible party and onto another person. I think we can kind of leave it at that. Yeah. I think that we all kind of understand that like, well, um, yeah, I, I maybe did this thing, but they did this really worse thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> that sure. kind of a thing. Um, very popular in games like werewolf or uh, mafia type. Yeah. <laughs> type of things um and then finally the last one and probably the most manipulating one and i've never had this happen to me i don't know if, if maybe you have but like really reality questioning um mm. reality questioning and manipulation are what people typically think of when they hear the term gaslighting because this is kind of the basis for what the term was coined um it, it's kind of what the whole movie and play is based on but this is basically like using your psyche to really think that people are not they that they believe something that's not there or that they like remember something that didn't happen like it's 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 create it's creating an alternate reality for somebody yeah it's fucking the matrix (laughs) yeah like and you know like the what what you said earlier about about the movie gaslight like i mean it makes sense like you know he's using you know different different um different levels of the gas lamp to make her think that maybe and i haven't seen the film but Maybe she thinks that that she she adjusted it, but she didn't, or something like that. Right. And I think that that's probably where where gaslighting becomes the most sociopathic, most likely. Is it's just? I mean, imagine actually like taking the time to do that to somebody. Like uh, that's it's 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 evil. Like that that is that is insanity right there. If that is your definition of a relationship, then you need to think differently. Well, I mean that that's just the thing though. Is I think that for some people, like that is how they love, and yeah, I, and, no, and that's, to- that's the scary thing, and. You know, it, it, it takes time as as you grow in in your life to to learn that you have to really get to know somebody um, before you attach yourself too quickly. And we've all made mistakes in that way. We've all gone too fast in, in certain relationships. And found some out people that, never learn, though. Right. Some well, people never do. But, but but I mean, it's you know, most of us have have go, if you haven't, you know, cheers cheers for you. But like most of us have. And you you find out eventually that somebody is not really who who they who you thought that they were, or maybe who who they said that they were. But and that doesn't always mean that they're a gaslighter. I'm not trying to say that, but it does often mean that you can run into some pretty disturbing things, and gaslighting might be one of them. And, and so, I, go ahead. No, and I I just wanted to like say like I I see this so much in a lot of my. I don't know how to say this without like making like a, a, a wide. Go ahead. Yes, I see a straight, lot of straight, straight girl relationships. <laughs> straight girl relationships, like yeah. where like they just assimilate to whatever their partner thinks. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> I I've I've had so many relationships with straight women, and I'm sorry, this is not all women. I'm not trying to say of that. Of course but not. Like, yeah. I've had so many relationships with straight women that once they get in a relationship with a kind of toxic guy, they just fall into this like way of thinking that 
when I knew them, they would never think this way. Yeah. And it is so disheartening. And I've I've lost a lot of friends this way to where I'm just like, you're not the person that I was friends with anymore. Yeah. And I have to let that go if you're gonna continue down this road. And it's it it's really it's really heartbreaking. I had someone in that was supposed to be my wedding party that basically was not in my wedding party because she went with her husband's way of thinking. So, you know, it sucks. And I I want to just encourage people to just think for yourselves well, and l- just l- make l- sure that you let me ask make sure you, that you're the, with a good person. Do do you think that she was gaslit or do you think she believed that? No, she's definitely gaslit for over a long period of time. Is is she still with that person now? Um, I think so. I've heard rumblings though that that's not working out. But oh, really? God, I wonder why. Yeah. Crazy. I I, I so don't much, talk to that, I don't talk to that person anymore. So it's only yeah. hearsay. But, so much um, for the uh, sanctity of marriage, right? Right. Um. Yeah. yeah look, I mean, we we've. Uh, I sh- I'm going to stop saying we've all because we haven't all. But those of us who have had relationships with, with either people that are, that are friends, or you know, partners, or even in your family, it, this 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 is extremely common. Um, you know how painful and how abusive it really is. Yeah. Um, and you you put together a good list here of popular phrases that that might be a sign that that you're being gaslit by somebody. Why don't we Why don't we have a look at these? Yeah, well, you you go first. Sure. Um, let's see. Uh, you're at fault or you're so sensitive. Uh, heard that one about a oh, million God, yeah. fucking times in my life. You, you must be confused again. <laughs> that's a, that's a good one. Oh, um, gosh. You're being trapped. Isn't that, isn't that one interesting? She's backbiting. Uh, I had to, I had to look up what this word meant. Yeah. Um, so just for people that don't know what backbiting means, it's kind of like talking about someone behind their back. Yeah. Basically. Right, right. Um, you're upset over nothing. Oh God, I've heard that. Um, uh-huh. You're you're remembering things wrong. Um, that it has to be so fucking manipulative totally. to hear someone say like, "No, you're remembering it wrong." Like, well, I mean, so here's here's the thing, right? Is like, th- th- what's what's interesting about about some of these phrases though is like they can be both ways, right? It's yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, a two sided sword. So like, you're at fault, for example motherfucker there's plenty of times somebody at fault and i'm gonna tell yeah. your ass yeah, you're totally. wrong yes. or or for example you're remembering things wrong like no no i remember how it was my friend and you're yeah. lying right now but but it's just it's it's the way that a gaslighter will manipulatively turn these phrases on their head yes at 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 at, 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 at any subject to make them believe that they're doing something wrong. That's right. that's when this stuff becomes crazy. Um, some other ones here were, are, it's always something with you. Um, you need help. You're overreacting. And my personal favorite, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> you need help. That's... Um... We all need help. Let's yeah. be honest. I mean, like there, there was, I, I will tell you, there was a professional interaction just this week where somebody told me to take a breath. And I said, oh, boy. And I, I had to text a friend who was actually in the conversation. And I was like, do not tell me to take a breath. Like, I am actually fully calm over here. This is a situation that needs to be dealt with. So, like, telling me take a breath as though I'm, like, freaking out when you can't even see my face right now. Do you know what I mean? It's like, 
How about no? How about, this was over. This was over a call. It was. It was like over. It was like it was. It was. It was virtual, right? So like we we weren't talking to each other uh, in real time, and it was a, it was a situation going on. And someone told someone told me and, and another couple of people to take a breath, as though we were like freaking out. And I'm like, we're not freaking out. <laughs> like this is just oh a thing God. that we have to deal with. So maybe don't do that to people. Like I would never start the conversation going or I would never respond to somebody and go, all right, take a breath, everybody. Like we have to be calm here. Like, no, I'm going to assume that you're coming at me with the best of intentions instead of like thinking that you're something else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, no, or, it, or making somebody feel that you're like, that you're being too anxious by bringing something up. Like, come on, dude, get and, out of here. And, and in most of those situations, the thing that you guys are actually like talking about is probably so benign. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. actually, I don't really care, but I'm trying to care. Like, you know what I mean? Well, like, it's just, it's, it's just like, you know, you don't, it, it, just because you think somebody is, is, is always anxious and always, is always, you know, live wire, like, that isn't necessarily true. Like, sometimes it's actually your own bias that's making you believe that. And you want to control the situation so much that you're just gaslighting somebody to believe that they are. And that's, I think that's wrong. And I, and I think especially in professional situations, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. I love when people are like, so in my profession, when people are like, if this could be escalated, that would be fantastic. And I'm like, well, everything is escalated. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what, you guys, like everyone just for real, like everyone, everyone. Let's just look at the reality of the situation and f- figure it out. Yeah, well, but, I mean, like, meet, meet meet somebody else as a human and and not as yeah. somebody to just do your bidding. Exactly. Um, so, look, it, it, gaslighting is is pretty terrifying. Um, <laughs> title of the episode. Yeah. Um, and there there's so many more examples that we could go through. I mean, I would just say that if you think that you're the victim of gaslighting, you know, think about it. Um, go talk to somebody. If you're feeling weird about the interactions that you're having in a relationship and and you feel unsafe. Go try to go to a therapist, and if you can't go, <coughs> pardon me. If you can't go see one, look for one online. Andrew, talk to them. I've got, I've got a, yeah, a yeah, cough. Yeah. Get some water. Um, no, you can go basically anywhere, or you can go on BetterHelp.com. No, we're not sponsored, but yes, you can go to that place and figure out who to talk to, and understand that you are not alone in these exactly. feelings because literally probably everyone in the world has faced this probably at some point in their life oh, some, for sure. some point in time so just stay vigilant people and stay yourselves because i think that that's that's the real manipulation of gaslighting is to make you feel like you're not yourself and that yourself is wrong and you know what sometimes exactly. we are wrong sometimes we are wrong but you know stay vigilant be yourselves and make sure that you are upholding your values in in all these situations. And also, Andrew, stay hydrated in this yeah. dry, this dry season of allergies. It feels like a desert in my throat right now. My goodness. I I will recommend the Lavolt cold uh, steam machine oh, if you can find one. I need to get that. Uh, we run it every night, and it doesn't make your room feel like a sauna, so it's great. Love it. Yes. <laughs> Um, Andrew, anything else on gaslighting you want to chat about? No, I think we're good. I think, you know, this is going to come out right after Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. I guess, to be those careful. who celebrate. Be careful on that date, babe. Um, yeah. 
So listen, we'll end this first segment here, and we'll be right back with what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. It's time for everyone's favorite segment. It's what you've been watching, bitch. What you've been watching, you gaslighting bitch. Yeah, I, if you were going to do it, I was going to say, you lying bitch. But that's Oh, funny. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> this, well. But if this is your first time to the show, this is the part of the show where we literally talk about what we've been watching, reading, listening to, all the things, even though, all it's, of been, it. even though it's called What You've Been Watching, sometimes we are watching books. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Maybe one day. Anyway, um, so, <clears throat> Maddie, tell me, what you been watching, you little bitch? Sure. So, um, actually, one of the things that I watched was the original, The Invisible Man. Uh, oh. We're gonna, we're, yeah, we're gonna be talking about um, The Invisible Man from 2020 uh, as one of our one of our choices for the show today. But I watched the original from 1933 as well. It's um, been a minute. Yeah, actually, I've actually never seen it before, and so oh, I said, okay. you know what? Let's do it for this. Might as well. He and I and I, a lot of people. <laughs> he does, and I actually own it. Um, I, I bought it when um, I got like like the big pack of Universal monsters sure, on, yeah. on Apple TV or whatever. Um, so that was just one of them. I just never got around to watching it, so it was the perfect time. Um, look, if you've never seen The Invisible Man from 1933, it's wonderful. Um, Claude Rains stars as The Invisible Man, to quote Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, and it is, it's really good. It's campy as hell. Um, but like, it's its interesting because the the special effects in it really hold up so well they for go for it if i remember right oh my god from 1933 it's uh, like it's it's kind of amazing that that they pulled this thing off um so really really interesting stuff um clarence from it's a wonderful life is in it hello and i just i had a lot of fun watching it so uh, if you have not seen it watch it it is wild the invisible invisible man himself is so fucking weird he's a weirdo and doesn't like doesn't he, he murder like an entire train of people yeah and like he <laughs> la he laughs a lot with this really very <sighs> odd laugh um but it, it's it is it's fun it's interesting and um if, if it's a if it's one of the one of one of the horror canon that you two have missed uh go watch it right away because it really is quite good the invisible man from 1933 Cool. My first one is Dance Life on Amazon Prime. Um, I love me a good dance show. And this one did not disappoint. This is about a dance school in Australia, in Sydney. Um, and this is not like your typical dance school. Like this is like you drop out of high school to go to this dance school. Wow. Like, this geez. is like your entire life. Like and I think they did like a statistic and it's like 95% of the professional dancers in Australia and the like, uh, like sub Asian, you know, down, you know, down in that area, like yeah. anyone that is like in some sort of like professional dance company or music videos or like whatever, like 95% of them went to this school. Jeez. So it's like, <clears throat> it, it's intense. It's like the, uh, what, what do you call that? What's that school in New York? It's like the, Juilliard. Yeah. For Australia, essentially for dance. And these kids are so fucking talented. Like I cannot even describe. And it kind of just follows 
basically like after coming out of covid it covers kind of like that next semester essentially so yeah. like figuring out like how we get back to normal and like how we, and, you know, I think that COVID was very different in Australia because of what they did to mitigate. So a little bit different than America. Um, but they got back to normal much quicker than, yeah, sure. than, than we did. And this was just very interesting to watch. And the kids that they follow, they, they, it's it's just a really good like little documentary series. Interesting. I highly recommend it. I hope it comes back. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, if you like any of those kind of like dance type shows, you're gonna love this. It kind of filled a little hole for me um, that I was missing. I don't know if you remember this, but like there was a show on Netflix. It was a, a fictional show. It's called Tiny Pretty Things. Yeah, sure. And it was about a ballet company in Chicago, actually. And um, it got canceled because of the pandemic. And this was I kind of felt like a almost like a sequel to that show, hmm, but like a, like a real documentary about it. So I highly recommend it. It was uplifting. I think it's only like eight episodes, so you don't wow. have to like devote a lot of time to it. But if you like dance, you'll like the show yeah. Dance Life on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Interesting. Um, my next one is called All of Us Strangers. Have you Can't heard wait. of this, this yet? Um, I want to see this movie so bad. Okay. <clears throat> um, it was in limited theaters here, it, but I just learned that it's going to be on Hulu on February twenty second. Oh, so, I mean, was it was it at like was it at like Music Box? Yeah, it was like at the select theaters. Okay, gotcha. Um, okay, so All of Us Strangers uh, came out, uh, uh, well, it just recently came out. Um, fun little fact, uh, the premiere of the movie happened right by my house at Lighthouse Cinema. Um, and it was funny, the day that the day that it came out, um, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Loyalty Plus member at Lighthouse Cinema. One day they will, they will sponsor us. Um, but Loyalty Plus members got to enter a contest to attend the, the gala premiere. And oh, so of cool. course, of course, I entered it immediately. And there was like a party, and Andrew Scott was there, and Claire Foy was there, and Paul Meskel was there, and the director was there, and like all the, the big LGBT people of Ireland were there and, and the UK. Everyone, everyone came over. Really, really cool premiere. I was I and I went to a cafe really close to the cinema um that that very day to just like get some work done. And I had forgotten that the premiere was going on because I, I didn't win the contest, of course. Um, but as I was walking by to go get dinner, I saw the red carpet out and people were standing there and there, there were photographers everywhere. And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to do a red carpet. So I got to stand at the red carpet and I met Paul Meskel and Andrew Scott at the premiere. Wow. And I got some selfies with them. They're, they are, man they are salt of the earth people. Like they are, they are genuinely fucking nice people. It was really cool. I also met the director, Andrew Hay. Um, so, uh, all of us strangers, um, is it's, it, it, it's, it's really good. Uh, it's, it, I really can't wait to see it again. Um, did if you, if you, um, have seen Andrew Hay's weekend, uh, which God, I can't remember when that came out. It's, it's at least five or six years ago now. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe like 2016, something maybe? like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a while. Um, a great movie, wonderful film. And it's a sort of about like these two guys that meet in London, um, and spend a weekend together. That's all that it is really. Um, and it's, it's, it was a very, it was maybe one of the first like real modern, like just takes on like everyday gay life. Basically, um, all of us strangers is very much in the same style. 
Um, Paul Meskel is, is our main character, um, and he plays a, a guy named Adam. Adam is a screenwriter. He lives in London. And he lives in this sort of like new apartment tower um, where like nobody else lives. And he is writing a screenplay about his family and uh, or or kind of about his family. You're not entirely sure. But um, as part of it, he goes back to uh, to where he's from, um, which is not too far outside of London. And he he revisits the home where he grew up. And the movie sort of is just it just kind of goes from there. Um, he He meets up with his mom and dad. And he also meets um, a guy named Harry, played by Paul Meskel. Um, and so there are these two main relationships that he sort of is juggling between throughout the entire film. Um, I don't want to give too much away because it, it would give too much away, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would say is that, uh, you know, the... Uh, the, I, I didn't leave the cinema hopeful is what is what I would say. Right. Oh no. Well, but no, that's okay. I, I, I don't think it's supposed to be. Um, and, and I, I think I, I, I don't think I'm alone in this take, although people do have different takes and you should be careful what you're reading about this, because if you read too much, you will get the twist and you don't, you don't want to have that happen. Trust me. Um, so don't read too much about it. But what I can tell you is that, this is a really good observation of like sort of gay reality. And I think it's, it's really good into a fantasy while also sort of being a fantasy. And it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but once you see it, I I think you might get what I'm saying. Um, So, you know, I I didn't, I didn't leave thinking, you know, Oh my God, I, I have so much hope for the world now or so much, so much more hope for my life. I think I just felt like this movie is one that maybe saw me as as a gay person, um, as a queer person, and I and I really appreciated that. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm going to end it there. Just just go see it if, uh, whenever you get the chance, whether you get to see it in a cinema or or um, or on your TV. I would say if you get the chance to see it in a cinema, you should. Um, it, there are just some some good cinematic moments where a really big screen is, is going to help you just kind of live into it even more. But even if you don't, it's OK. Watch it at home. That, that's what I plan to do as soon as I can get it streaming. Yeah, like I said, uh, this one's a little bit harder to get to, especially if you don't live in like a big city. Yeah. Um, but I do know that by the time this comes out, it will be almost on Hulu. So yeah. it's going to be on Hulu on, on February 22nd. Nice. So we'll look forward to watching it. Um, speaking of one that I missed in the theaters, but finally got to see because it's on Peacock, one that you talked about a couple episodes ago is The Holdovers. Uh, yes, uh, Paul Giamatti, uh, a bunch of bunch of people. But uh, basically, the the plot, if you if you didn't remember when Maddie told us, is basically uh, there's these kids that are at a at a school and they can't go home for Christmas break, and there is a teacher and a cook that stay behind and kind of take care of these kids, and it goes from there. It's a coming of age story, if you will. Um, no matter if you're in your teens or in your, I guess for Paul Giamatti, he's probably in his fifties, forties, like forties, fifties. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed this film. I thought it was very poignant. Um, I, I wasn't so on board with the kid, if I'm being totally honest. Um, I thought that his story was fine, but like the adult stories I thought were really, really thoughtful, especially the, especially the cook. I thought that her story was like, Jesus, heart wrenching basically. But, um, 
Um, yeah, no, and you know what? I I I kind of joked about this movie a little bit as we were watching it because like it is kind of funny because like they kind of hit you over the head with like, hey, did you know this takes place in the 70s? It's the 70s. <laughs> yeah, did you know? Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I thought that that was kind of funny for like uh, an Oscar nominated film that they had to like really like, hey, every once in a while, we're going to hit you with a record drop from the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but overall, I had a good time with it. Um, I I don't know how I feel about the ending, but mm. I'm glad that. I'm I'm glad that Paul Giamatti's character got something out yeah. of out of like what he was trying to do. How it came to be, I'm not totally square with, but I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want to give you too know. Much away, I, but like, I, I I listened to a podcast. Uh, it, well, it was um oh what is it called? Uh, it it was fre- Fresh Air on on NPR, and, and yeah. Paul, Paul Giamatti was was the guest, and um and he was talking about how. He was talking about, you know, you know, playing this character as opposed to playing, you know, probably the other character that he is most known for, which is Miles in the movie Sideways. Yeah. Um, or Sideway. Uh, sideways. Sideways? It's sideways. sideways. It's, it's yeah. plural, right? Yeah, it's, yeah plural. it's plural. Yeah. Um, uh, which is another movie that that I really, really love from a Cabernet. Course, yeah. From from a course <laughs> from a course the same same director. Merlot. Merlot. Um and uh and like he he was saying about how much how much more fun it was to play this character, how how much richer it was, and how playing Miles in in Sideways was he, like Miles is just so miserable, and like and even even like near the end he's still he's still kind of miserable. Well, he's even, very even, smug. Like yeah, yeah, well, and smug, but but it comes from it comes from a place of deep misery inside of himself. Yeah, and yeah. like you know, in this character, you know, it's it's it, there there are a lot of similarities to Miles. But he was talking about how just more redemptive th- th- this guy was. Um, so it was it was interesting to hear. Um, but I'm I'm glad you liked it. I thought it was a really good movie. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Like I said, I'm not like totally on board with the resolution of the film. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, but still enjoyed the ride getting there. Yeah. My next one is Masters of the Air, and Masters of the Air is on um, is on Apple TV Plus. Um, if you've seen Band of Brothers and the Pacific, this is the next installment in in that in that uh, in that series, right? Oh, um, Band of, Band of Brothers, I absolutely love the Pacific, pretty much about the same level of love. I mean, really, just two shows that uh, that that were that were exquisite, and I, I talked about them both before, actually, in, in the segment and in, in some earlier episodes. Um, and just did a great job of like really accurately portraying the horror of World War II and how awful it was, but then also too like just how much fucking American soldiers gave up and how much they sacrificed to like I, I use the, the the phrase liberally here, but to fucking save the world from fucking the evil of the Nazis. Um, and Masters of the Air is uh, is about, of course, like the 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 airborne. And so the the guys who are flying bombers over Germany to to drop the big bombs that that helped to win the war. Um, I haven't watched the whole thing yet. Nobody has, of course, because it's only on on episode four. I just finished episode four last night. Um, Masters of the Air has a lot of great people in it, just like the other uh, 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 series did. Um, Austin Butler is in this. Callum Turner, Anthony Boyle, Barry Keoghan, um, and a whole bunch of other really good looking men. 
Um, so they're all they're all cute, <laughs> just like in all of the other ones too. Band of Brothers, they were hot. The Pacific, they were cute too. And Meshes of the Air, they're really good looking. Um, the only thing though with this one is it's just not catching me in the same way. Oh, and, no. and like I don't know if it's maybe gonna pick up or I and I really can't even put my finger on what it is. Like it's filmed well, it's there is some excitement. I don't know if it's if it's the dialogue. I don't know if it's the acting. I can't figure it out. But it's just not hitting my nerve in the same way that the other two did. So, you know, look, we're only on episode four. I'm hopeful that with I think there's probably four more, maybe five more, maybe maybe six. Um, that with the rest of the episodes, it's going to turn it around for my little heart. Um, but even if it doesn't look, it's a monumental thing to make, and it's and it's an important story to tell. Um, so I'm sort of like half and half on this one. If I would, I would say if you've watched the other two band of brothers in the Pacific, like, yeah, you should watch this. There's no reason not to. Um, but you know, we'll see how it turns out. I don't know. Do you feel, do you feel like it, it's maybe being forced a little bit? Like they maybe know. did, maybe they didn't have enough time to develop like the story because I feel like the Pacific just came out like not too long ago. And between band of brothers and the Pacific, that was a long period of time. So yeah. I mean, maybe Pacific, Pacific came out at least ten years ago. I want to say, yeah, but in between though, yeah, like, I know. You know what I mean? But, I don't but know. this one, like, I mean, I don't know. Look, I mean, it's it's Carrie Joji Fukunaga. Like, I mean, and like, and the actors that I just listed, right? I mean, like Austin Butler. I think Austin Butler, besides being good looking, like Austin Butler is a fantastic actor. Fucking his Elvis was insanely good and callum turner is a fantastic english actor anthony boyle from northern ireland i think is really really good barry keoghan we know how good he is so like that's all solid the direction is solid maybe it's just the writing that that might actually be it i don't know yeah but i just find myself getting bored with these episodes and that is just with a show like this that's not where you should be so i don't know we'll see i don't know all right. Um, well, my next one is uh, the trust, a game of greed oh, on Netflix. Yes. I've heard, I've heard of this. Um, so listen, so this 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 show is a reality show on Netflix, and ba- here's the basis of the show. So there are ten people, I think ten, um, maybe twelve. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But uh, they basically go on this show, and they are all told, "You've already won. Here's, uh, t- I think it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars." You can all split it. All good. Like, all good to go. Or you can vote people off. Oh, boy. And split it amongst less people. Oh, dear. Basically. And so, like, the premise of the show is, like, not all that interesting, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like, okay, like, people are going to backstab, whatever. Um, the But the thing about this show is the people that they cast are wild really (laughs) insane like there is one little twink on the show that basically comes on and is like oh my god i love brunch i am a millionaire i sell real estate and i come from privilege and i understand that i come from privilege but i still want more money and oh my god and then and then and then the kicker I've been with my girlfriend for six years. What? (laughs) And then there's this other woman who is like, yes, I found myself during the pandemic and left my husband and became a super bitch. (laughs) There's just like, it is. What the fuck is going on here? I don't know where they found these people, but they are in 
insane. Oh <laughs> and, my god! And honestly, that's what makes the show so that it. The show is honestly not all that interesting. Like the premise and like how you like kind of navigate the show. Sure. Like, is, it's no traitors if I'm being honest. Okay. Um, but the people that they cast, congratulations. You you did a great job of pulling together some of the craziest people I've maybe ever seen on television. <laughs> so if you would just want to see some weirdos play for money on Netflix, I recommend The Trust, a game of greed. That that sounds ridiculous. Um my <laughs> final one, Andrew, is Groundhog Day. Because Groundhog Day just recently happened. Yeah, and didn't I didn't see his shadow, so we're getting early spring. Thank God. Um, but in this version of Groundhog Day from 1993, one of the best years for movies of all time, might I add, um, Punxsutawney Phil does see his shadow mm-hmm. over and over and over and over and over again ad nauseum, um, because that's the story of Groundhog Day starring uh, Bill Murray. Woodstock, um, Illinois, baby. Yep. Look, I love this movie. I've loved it from the first time that I saw it. I've seen it I countless fucking times. Like I, I'm sure a lot of us have. Um, I watch it every year and I realize I didn't watch it on Groundhog Day. So I got it in last night, actually. And um, I just I fucking love it. It's so good. Uh, it's Bill Murray, you know, and just that classic Bill Murray era when he was just doing movie after movie that was just really fucking funny. Andy McDowell, um, as usual, being Andy McDowell, that curly haired <laughs> right. bitch, right? <laughs> Chris Elliott being himself as he always is. When is he? Ne- when is he ever anybody but Chris Elliott? Um, Harold Ramis is in the movie. You know, on and on and on. It's just it's such a great movie. Um, and I I really forgot like some of the smaller moments that are really funny in the movie in this yeah. one. So yeah. like if if you remember like like he, okay so it's like he's 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 woken up at this at this point like like at least a hundred times so he knows everybody in town and they're they're at breakfast and he's trying to tell andy mcdowell's character like this is what's going on and let me prove it to you this is this guy this is this girl this is this guy and and the waiter comes by and he's like i forget what i forget his name but he's like this is tony he hates his job blah 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 blah, and he's gay and the waiter goes i am (laughs) and it was just (laughs) it's so funny and i forgot that even happened and it's just, it's lovely. Um, it's a great movie. It's a great movie about love. Um, and in a very, very weird way that only, I think, a Bill Murray comedy could do. Um, but God, I love it. And it was just so much fun to watch again. Yeah, it's funny. Um, AMC now does this thing every year where they just play Groundhog's Day all day long. Sure. On Groundhog's right. Day. So <laughs> it was on, and Michael happened to be off that day. So he was love watching it. it. And I kind of forgot, like, that like this is almost it's it borderline is almost about like obsession over yeah. love but sure. like it's it's a we it's a weird one um I, weird. I think it's i think it's a great comedy but when you start to get below the surface you get a little bit like ooh, is this weird <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> like like most of the things in the 90s were true. i know all right, so my last one is Dicks the Musical. <laughs> this is <laughs> I can't wait cur- to watch this. This is currently on Max or HBO Max or HBO whatever you whatever it is to now. call it. Um, this was recommended. I, I listened to Las Culturistas, which is Matt uh, Matt Rogers and Bowen Yang, and um, Bowen Yang is in the movie, so of course he's talked a little bit about it. So I was like piqued my interest in in seeing this movie, and then it was on Max, so I was like, yeah, we'll watch it. Oh my God, this, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, 
this is right up my lane when it comes to humor because it is so satirical and so dry and so ridiculous that like let me just let me just tell you this Megan Mullally plays one of uh, their... So basically, the, the premise of the movie is that these two twins are working at a company that merges together, and they de- they discover that they are brothers. And so then it's all about them figuring out, like, hey, you look like me. Hey, you look like me. We're twins. And then they Weird. go... And then they do, like, kind of like a parent trap thing where they go to, like, meet the other uh, mother slash father because they split up when they were kids. Um, that's like the loose premise. Listen, that's very loose because this movie doesn't rely on <laughs> like a lot of like it's it's more ridiculous. It's think like Wet Hot American Summer, the okay. musical. Like, okay, <laughs> you got it. Um, like for instance, Megan Mullally plays the one of the the, the mother, and literally her pussy fell off. What? <laughs> Oh my God, Jesus Christ. (laughs) And Nathan Lane plays the father and he has sewer creatures as pets. So just listen, that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to give too much away, but I have to tell you, we watched this on a Sunday afternoon and I was crying laughing so hard. (laughs) Like it was so, and listen, my sense of humor tends to fall on the more sarcastic, dry, yeah, sure. ridiculous side of things. So, like, if you like that kind of thing, you got to run, not walk to go see <laughs> Dix the Musical. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> well, Andrew, I think that's it for what you've been watching, bitch. You brought us Dance Life on Amazon Prime, The Holdovers on Peacock, The Trust, a game of greed on Netflix, and Dicks, the musical on Max. And Maddie brought us The Invisible Man 1933, which you can probably find pretty much everywhere. In a, in a lot of places, yeah. All of Us Strangers, which I think is in current limited theaters, but will also be on Hulu soon. Masters of the Air on Apple Plus, and Groundhog's Day, which is currently streaming on Netflix. So, folks, that does it for What You've Been Watching, Bitch. We'll be right back with our first film of the episode, Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Let's have a seance. Why not? Don't you believe in spirits? Nothing's ever completely dead. Calling on the spirits of everyone who ever died in this house. If you're present, give us a sign. Give us a sign. All the dead come to us. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Well, Jessica is your good friend, and you're being really mean to her because you're going to scare her to death. So that's it, Andrew. Just just tell us about the movie. Nightmare or Sanity, which is which? Newly released from a mental ward, Jessica hopes to return to life the way it was before her nervous breakdown. But when Jessica moves to a country house with her husband and a close friend, she finds a mysterious girl living there who may or may not be a vampire. That's giving a little bit away, but 
<laughs> Jessica's terror and paranoia resurface as evil surrounds her, making her wonder, are the visions real or is she slipping back into madness? Directed by John D. Hancock. Wow, is that really his name? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's like just like the signature. Uh, <laughs> written by John D. Hancock and Lee Kelchum. Uh, production and distribution were han- handled by this was so funny. I saw this in the thing and I was like, this is that a real thing? The Jessica Company and Paramount. Yeah. Um, Jessica is played by Zora Lampert. Emily is played by Marl Claire Costello. Marie Claire, Marie Claire. Oh, sorry. I saw an L instead of an I. Um, <laughs> Duncan is played by who I thought was Doug for the longest time in this movie. Duncan is played by Barton Heyman. Woody is played by Kevin O'Connor. Girl is played by Gretchen Corbett. And Sam is played by Alan Manson. This is rated GP, which is now PG. It comes in at 89 minutes. It was released on August 27th of 1971, uh, filmed in Connecticut with a budget of about 250000 and a opening weekend profit of about 48,000. That's unfortunately the only budget we have for the movie at, at, at this point anyway. Uh, and Maddie, have you have you seen Let's Scare Jessica to Death before and what are your initial thoughts? No, uh, it's my first time seeing it and I hated it. No, I'm lying. I loved it. Um Let's Scare Jessica to Death is a really uh great little film. It's a absolutely bizarre bizarre movie. Um, but so, also like a warm hug. <laughs> oh, it's it's so eerie. the The atmosphere is incredible. Um, and uh, there there's very little wrong with this movie. I'll just say that. Um, the the movie begins with a line. Um, that is uh that is Jessica getting out of the back of a hearse because these people have a hearse. It happens. They're hippies. Sometimes. <laughs> They're hippies. Um, and she runs out of of the back of the hearse. Uh, into a graveyard that they come upon because she's going to go do a grave rubbing. And what she says, this is the first line of the movie, is, I'll just be a minute. And then the next line of the film is Woody, uh, which is which is the close friend that we heard about in the plot, um, talking to Duncan, who is Jessica's husband. And he says, don't worry, the farm will be good for her. And I think that those two lines really sum up the movie in a lot of ways. Uh, when when we think about the 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 lens here of gaslighting, right? So you've got a woman who's just come out of of being in an institution for her uh, for her mental breakdown. We don't really ever find out exactly um, what uh, you know what exactly happened uh, to, to to put her into that state. Um, but she was there for six months. Yeah, but we don't necessarily need to. We, we hear a little bit about about her father dying. Maybe that that might have had some some sort of um, some sort of influence on 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 what happened to her, uh, but regardless, uh, there's just something about this this woman that is now back in the world, um, and she says, "I'll just be a minute," just sort of taking her time, and then two men saying, "She'll be good on the farm." There's just there's something about that that just frames all of it up for me when I when I look a little bit deeper into this movie. Um, the they they go to the this this very odd trio. Uh, they go to a farmhouse in 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 what you sort of believe might be um, either Connecticut or or upstate New York. Um, the the, the, yeah. the car the car's plates are New York, uh, but it was filmed in um, in what was it Haddon, oh, Chester and East Haddam, Connecticut. 
Um, the house, by the way, is still there. Um, you, you can go see the house. Um, uh, and from what I understand, they've added a widow's walk onto the roof. Oh, um, let's go. Yeah. I, I, I wish I, we should, I wish we had known about it for our, our trip last year. Um, but an incredible movie that does a great job of creating atmosphere, uh, maybe better than, than, than most films, if I'm being honest, like the way that it takes you through the autumn in new England is just exquisite. And like the way that it even like, I mean, the, the people in this little town, they, they, they are their own special little monsters. We'll talk about that later, but even like the way that like that, they, like the way that like the, the, the director just creates this group of people in that little town, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just cool. Like everything just feels authentic in this movie, even though it feels so bizarre, even though like it's, it's like very clearly like, um, highly stylized at, at some moments, it still manages to feel super authentic. And even with, if we're being honest here, Andrew, um, <clears throat> the very bizarre acting <laughs> from Zora. Oh my Lambert. God. Yes. Like, I mean, her, her that voice chin does some things. <laughs> oh my goodness. And like her, she has a very unique vocal quality to her. And the way she, her octaves are like 10 times lower than everybody else in this movie. (laughs) Very interesting stuff. And, you know, I don't, I don't know Zora Lampert. I I really don't. I, I, I've never seen anything else that she's in. I don't know if that's her normal vocal quality or if this is just put on for this particular character. And I do think that maybe a little of it must be, um, you know, she was sort of playing the vocality of somebody who's just coming back into the world after being sort of sucked out of the world for six months, which is pretty traumatic for anybody if you think about it. Um, so I kind of went with that interpretation of, of, of her vocal range in this film. Um, but it is bizarre. There's no way that you watch this in 2024 and think that like, oh, she's just speaking normally. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. even that doesn't take you out of it. Like, Instead, for me, it, it it really sort of drew me even further in. I don't know if it did that for you or not, but like it made me get even more in sync with her character and, and, and how she was sort of, I don't know, like like in her own orbit and these other people weren't. And and and, and obviously the, the gaslighting that takes place with her from everybody in the movie is just wild. Everyone tells her that she's not seeing this thing or that nothing's wrong or that she's going crazy again, none of which is true. Um, and the story itself, I think, is really bold. I mean, they they go to this house in the middle of nowhere, appears to be a, a very, you know, pastoral sort of house out in the country. It's big. It needs a lot of work, but you know, it's kind of cool. Um, and they get there and there's this woman there that obviously shouldn't be there and they end up keeping her around. And the stuff that happens after that is just crazy. It's so wild. And like, honestly, you don't like, you can't see the story happening ahead of time. If, if it's mm-hmm. your first watch, like there, I don't think there was any way to like know that Oh yeah, Emily's a fucking vampire. Like, you yeah, know, you, you should you go into this with as little information as possible. <laughs> which which is what I did and and it it worked out well. Um so me the this is my second time seeing this movie. I blind bought this movie at a horror con on Blu-ray cuz I had heard about it and had wanted to see it and Man, I got to tell you, this might be one of my favorite movies that we've watched. Like, yeah, it's so good. I don't know what to say to like really. This just felt like a cozy 
warm blanket of a movie and and for how crazy it is that's something to say because like the plot is insane but um there's just something about the way they filmed this and there's just something about the way that they do certain scenes like when they're at the kitchen table together or when they do that or when they do the impromptu seance which is insane because i guess it's 1970 and we just do seances now but um there's just something got these actors must have been around each other a lot like during the production of the movie because you just feel like they get each other yeah, in a weird yeah, way. I agree. And like just yeah. understand like each other's like emotions or like how they emote. And I don't know. There's just something about it that like draws me in. And then we get the creep factor of Abigail and how she was drowned in the cove behind the house. Yeah. And those moments where Jessica sees Abigail in the water and the way that I don't know how they filmed that in 1970, but I can only imagine it's just like a woman under the water, but it it's 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 so eerie and so scary. If I'm being honest, yeah, like uh, that it, that you're just like drawn in, and then by the end, when you learn like the entire plot, and you learn that the entire town is in on it, and you start to see like all the scars and like all finally because like you kind of are like led to believe like hey did you see like, why are all those men bandaged and like all yeah, these things? Right. And like, and then like by the end of the movie, you even see that the truck driver that, you know, takes her to town when she's in distress, even he on the other side yep. of his face that she can't see has a scar. And then you learn that like this fucking lady is a vampire. Emily yeah. is, it is Abigail. And she's a vampire that's been there for ages because they ask her when she first, when they first get to the house, they're like, oh, how long have you been here? And she just, she says something like very benign. Like she says, oh, I've been here. I've been here for ages. (laughs) Yeah. And it it is just uh, the plot of this movie. I don't know how they came up with it, but it is, it's great. I fucking love this movie. Yeah. Um, I think that this is a perfect installment for gaslighting because there are such moments in like at the very beginning where she sees the blonde girl in the graveyard and in her own because you get a lot of like inner dialogue with jessica yeah um she says don't tell them act normal and then like Uh later on she's like she sees uh i forget what she sees but in her own inner monologue she says don't tell them they won't believe you Uh like there's like a lot of that like so she's been She's been trained to think that she's crazy. And like, you know what? She probably does have some some faculties loose, but like it's not all made up in your head, Jessica. And you yeah. do have like something going on. And it takes too long for them to believe her until they're all fucking either a vampire or dead in the case of uh Woody. So well, and, and th- there there is something quite subversive too about, you know, analogizing uh gaslighters to being vampires. Mm-hmm. And and it just it makes Ooh, sense. Good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, make, it makes sense when you think about it. Like they are they they can be either energy vampires or in some cases even physical vampires and um, that that just spells it out right there for you. So I, I I think you're right. It's it's such a good choice for you know for thinking about gaslighting. 
um, in, in, in a film context. Um, uh, I, I thought I, it was, <laughs> I thought it was the, like some of the reactions of the, the main actress of Jessica, yeah. I thought it was so funny. Like when they first go in the house and she thinks that she saw someone and then Duncan basically says like, no, I saw her too. And Jessica like gets excited. I <laughs> she's know. like, that she's like, oh my God, yes, I did see something. I'm not crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, the, the, you're going to get killed here in a minute. Um, all, uh, the, the funniest part of the movie, for, well, it's not funny, but like the strangest part of the movie for me was actually something very little. And it's when they're at the dinner table and fucking Emily is just like, oh, I'm going to play my fucking loot here real quick. Yeah. Um, and that bitch is <laughs> not let's just put this out there right now she is not playing that loot yeah. like her fingers are not even moving on the fretboard and like like her fingers on like like where you would actually play the thing are like barely moving and like there is this intricate loot song going on and i'm like number one where did your ass get a loot in the middle of nowhere it's a lute it's not even it's not it's even been a band for ages it's not a banjo not a guitar motherfucker got a lute well, and, and then he has like a full on like cello. Um, and yeah, it's, well, it, it's, it's a stand up bass he brings yeah. out. I'm like, what the fuck, Jesus? He's with the Philharmonic. Oh gosh, but yeah, that that scene's interesting. And then um, there there's some weird stuff in that scene too, where she's like, he wants her. Yeah. And then when she sees the steak on the plate, and she's like, it's blood, Jessica, blood, <laughs> like. Um, there's another part too where they're at the dinner table, and the and and Emily is is making up this story about a killer cake in Scotland. Do you? It's do you remember very this? odd. I do. Yes. Where she's like, <laughs> and when the cake it it swallows people, it's kind of like the blob. It swallows people up, and she's talking about this, and then she has this line where I just like laughed out loud because she goes, "When it gets to the door, it knocks on the door, and it goes." I'm not the cake. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> like it, it and, and and you know that is part of the charm of the movie too. Is like this is just a little hippie yeah. post it's it's a post 60s 71 like peek into what sort of like free love kind of turned into in the 70s i mean they, like, they're bathing in the in the lake yeah <laughs> well, and, and one, one of the little trivia points too is that they they filmed this in like late autumn and so they were saying that like the the water was really cold for all of them and so like the the, the first time that they do it when Jessica's in there, she's like, okay, I'm done. Like, I think like she was actually just fucking cold. She's like, actually, yeah. no, I'm fucking the done. Actress, yeah. <laughs> Get me fucking out of here. Um, and you're right. You, you mentioned the water parts earlier. The water parts are done so well. Like, when people that, are coming out of the water, holy shit. My God. There, there are two scenes that made me so uncomfortable in this movie. Yeah. The first one is where Duncan and Jessica are in bed. And they're just having like this discussion about like where Duncan is like, I can't do this anymore. Like you yeah. need to go see a doctor again, blah, blah, blah. And then Jessica's just like, well, fine, leave me, leave me, leave me. And just like, they have like, it's, it's so uh, just like accurate. Like it, it yeah, feels sure. like just like two people. Like it doesn't feel like it's like scripted. And then the other part that was really uncomfortable to me was where Emily and Jessica go to the lake because Emily says, like, you need some sun, like you need oh, some God, fresh air. Oh my da, God. Da, da, da. 
and she's like putting lotion on her and then all of a sudden she's like putting lotion on her face and then yeah. Jessica's like okay I'm good like all good like don't need any more and then Emily pushes her in the water and then she's like dunking her in the water yeah and then she's real. like and then she's like oh sorry I didn't mean to scare you I was just trying to play around and I was I was like I don't know about you but like as a kid that was like bullied in this specific way sure yeah I got really uncomfortable. Totally. I was like, what is happening? Like, this is really freaking me out. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was uncomfortable to watch it. It really, it really brought you into the scene. And like you, you felt the distress that Jessica was feeling because I mean, yeah, I mean, people have done that to me before. Like, and you know, Andrew, that I'm terrified of the water in, in a lot of ways still like, don't do that to people. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting the way that Emily played with her. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. like, if you get right down to it, Emily could have just killed them all, right? I right. mean, it's, it's it's she could have just done it. She plays um, a long game. She, pl- she plays a long game, but somewhere in there, she gets pleasure from from drawing from drawing the entire process out. So it it does make you think like it's not just that like okay, I'll take it back a little bit first. And just say what a unique vampire movie this is. We've never seen a vampire like this before. A vampire who doesn't use their teeth. They use a knife and they have to like slice a part of you open to get the blood, I guess. That's what it is. Um, So that is unless I mean, have you seen a vampire like that before? Um, I can't think of anything. I can't think of any. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe there was, but that's, that's new in itself. Not, but, not 1971. I'll tell you that much. Right. But I mean, like maybe Emily also is like an energy vampire. Like maybe like playing with her prey first, like she's sucking that energy out of them. Maybe she's getting some, something out of that too. Well, you know? she, she plays with all of them in certain ways. She does. A lot of yeah. it, a lot of it is seduction between like Woody and Duncan, mm-hmm. but also with Jessica, it's all about manipulation and, yeah. Making her feel crazy. Like that's like yes. that's it, it, just like her her pleasure in, in this about process. That, get that vampire bitch off. You know what I mean? Yeah. She is getting and off on it. I do love the turn of Emily too, though. Like when um Woody comes back from like spreading the pesticide and he's like all yeah. disheveled and he comes back and he's like, Hello, Jessica, Emily, and he comes back in the house and she just comes down the stairs in that wedding dress. Uh, and she's like, hi, <laughs> you're just yeah. like, oh God, she has changed. <laughs> like, because up until that point, <clears throat> you know, Emily seems like a very, I don't know, it, until she seduces Duncan, she seems like a very innocent bystander. I mean, she, she just seems like, 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 like a hippie chick who just yeah. like kind of goes along with everything. And like, I, I think that's part of it is like for, for our modern context, we're not used to that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Like we're, we're not used to pulling up to the house you just bought and there's fucking somebody there and you're there's like, somebody oh, squatting. <laughs> no, no big deal. Hang out for dinner. Like, you know what I mean? And then to go even further to say, you know what? We've all talked about it and you're going to stay with us. And like that would never happen today. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And none of us can even imagine that context. But like, look, some of my sisters, you know, they're of that generation. They could imagine it. You know, it's 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 really um, it, it it plays with 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 our own reality of of how we believe these things could happen. Yeah. Um, and then towards the end, you know, I, I love when she runs up to the fairy and the guy's just like, fairy's not running for you. 
<laughs> oh, and then you see his scar too. Literally, and then everybody there. And then and what does Jessica do? She gets her own damn boat because she's, she's boat. an independent woman. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then you know, and then of course, you know, we we have to believe that that Jessica survived all of this because she's telling us at the end. I I can't, you know, as I sit here I now, I can't believe everything happened. Yeah, right. And so so she does get away after she you know kills the vampire of her husband. I guess we're not entirely sure about uh, that. But I, I basically. Don't, I don't really think anybody dies except for Woody. He's yeah. the only one that really gets killed. Everyone else well, is turned into a, another vampire. I and like think. even even him, maybe he maybe he's a vampire later. Who knows? I don't know. Well, I will say there, there is a. If you watch this movie, pay specific attention to the part where uh, Jessica finds Woody on the pesticide tractor. Because it is hilarious how she is getting pelted I know. by that liquid. I, like, I, was, I, I was watching it again today and I was like, wow, just maybe you can, I don't know. Maybe just, just like, go around? Just like run, <laughs> run ahead of it or something? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, you don't have to stay in like, the pesticide, girl. Like, I don't know if you noticed it, but like, so there's the initial part where she's running up behind the tractor and like, she's obviously getting hit by the liquid. Yeah. But then there's also the part where she finds the body and she's out of the liquid, but then she stands still so the tractor catches up and she just gets... I can't imagine that this actress understood what was about to happen because her surprise when she just gets like pelted by the liquid is so funny. (laughs) Now, there are a lot of people on um, Letterboxd who are saying that this would be a good double bill with Messiah of Evil. Um, Have you seen Messiah of Evil? I've seen that movie. Yeah, Yeah, I have seen that. How do you you feel about that? I think that this is a better structured movie than Messiah of Evil. Um, I think this movie makes more sense than Messiah of Evil. Mm, yeah. uh, um, it definitely is of the same ilk. Yeah. Um, but Messiah of Evil, I tell you, I saw it last year at the Davis when they did their uh-huh. horror movie marathon. That's a fucking weird movie. Like it does not, it does not string together okay. as well as this movie. That's all. I'll interesting. Say. Interesting. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. This is a comfort movie for me. I really like it. It makes me feel like, oh, I could yeah. go live on a farm and yeah, put my totally. cell phone in a drawer and not it, you know, have to look at it ever again. Right, <laughs> right. And I was telling Andrew before we started recording that I, I, I bought the film because it was only a dollar more than renting it. So I think I bought it for like four ninety nine on on Apple. Um, and you know, I'm really glad that I did because this is one that I know I'm going to come back to many times. Um, and I, I'm, I'm already anxious to watch it again. I, I might even watch it again tonight just for fun. Um, because there, there's just a lot of little points in it that I want to return to. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a movie. I, I think you're right in saying that like, it's, it's, it's a comfortable film. And I think maybe the reason why it feels comfortable is because like, we're people who love fall. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And yeah. like, it does so well at like just being in the fucking autumn in new England, which is just, well, which is lovely. And, and nobody, like, nobody is like, I don't know how to say it, but like I, everyone's acting is like, just like, ah, uh, it's 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 a very quiet film and like and and i maybe it's just me getting older now but i gotta tell you like i really appreciate quiet films i i appreciate films where i don't have to be banged over the head with everything do you know what i mean right yeah and like that's how that's how so much of modern film is now it's just it's loud it's in your face it never ends it just keeps going 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 
Um, but this is a slow burn. And, you know, it's it's really quiet most of the fucking film. Like, it, it's not really until, like, the last act that things pick up in such a way that you're like, holy shit, what's going on here? The right. rest of it is just like, ooh, easy pacing, getting there. And it's just bringing you into the insanity that Jessica feels. Not that she is, but that she feels. And then before you know it, bam, you're in it too. Yeah, totally agree. So here at Friday the 13th Horror Podcast, we judge on a seven-stripe scale for the seven stripes, the good, good old gay rainbow. Maddie, what do you give Let's Scare Jessica to Death? I gave it a six, and I said that this film nails it on so many levels. It's bizarre, it's eerie, and it's honest-to-goodness terrifying. I also gave it a six. I said, this movie is like a warm blanket of terror. Bizarre, scary, and all around just a solid mystery horror. So folks, that does it for Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with The Invisible Man. As the attorney representing Adrian's trust, I'm required to read a prepared statement. Cecilia, although our relationship was far from perfect... I thought that you would talk to me rather than run away. Are you okay? Open the door! What happened to him? He cut his wrists. Per his final wishes, you're getting $5 million. Contingent, of course, on the fine print. He can't be ruled to be mentally incompetent. It just doesn't make any sense. What? Adrian wouldn't kill himself. Listen. You're getting your freedom back, okay? Don't let them haunt you. Hello? I'm scared. You don't have to be scared of him anymore. He was a sociopath, completely in control of everything. He said that wherever I went, he would find me, walk right up to me. And I wouldn't be able to see him. Are you okay? Someone sitting in that chair. I found something that can prove what I'm experiencing. You need help. Adrian is dead. I went to his house today. He's not dead. I have a pile of ashes in the box that would disagree with you. He has figured out a way to be invisible. Only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is coming up with the perfect way to torture you, even in death. Adrian's true genius was how he got in people's heads. Don't come any closer. Hey! I'm not crazy. Uh, hello? Uh... I can hear you, uh, but I, I can't see you. You must be invisible. Maddie, tell us all about the invisible man. What you can't see can hurt you. When Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she's being hunted by someone nobody can see. The Invisible Man was written and directed by Lee Wannell, or Lee Wannell? I can't remember how to pronounce it. Wannell, yeah. Wannell. Um, produced by Bloomhouse and Screen Australia, distributed by Universal. Cecilia, played by Elizabeth Moss. Adrian, by Oliver Jackson Cohen. Emily, by Harriet Dyer. James, by Aldous Hodge. 
uh, Sydney by Storm Reed and Tom by Michael Dorman. It is a rated R. It's 124 minutes. Comes out of Australia and the U.S. Uh, released February 28th of 2020. God, it seems so long ago now. Jeez. What a time. Um, really? God, it really is crazy. Um, uh, filmed in Sydney, Australia. Um, the budget was seven million. Made a cool one hundred and forty-five million. Not a surprise. Um, obviously, this is not a first-time watch for either of us. Um, but Andrew, this time around, what'd you think? Yeah. So, um, actually, famously, The Invisible Man was the last movie I saw in the theater before COVID. Oh, was it really? Uh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Wow. So, uh, so wait, did you see it like that February twenty-eighth weekend? I think I must have. You probably either did, that or the yeah. weekend after. So, God, it's wild. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this movie, it kind of took me by surprise because I think at this day of Bloom House, because our Blum House, however you want to pronounce it, I think I've heard, I think we've been correct on this before, Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, um, also, by the way, used... Andrew, can I just say, <laughs> we have some lovely people that love to correct us on things and yeah. I love it. When we yeah. get your messages, we're always like, thank you. Thank yeah. you for this. Yes. Yes, always love it. Um, but um, so I saw this movie, really liked it. Um, I forget where I was going with this, but like, I think that like this time around, I still really loved the movie. Yeah. I think that for me, in the modern sensibility of when this movie takes place, I like, I just wanted Cecilia to take more action and. It just, we can talk about when we get into it, but like she did frustrate me a little bit. Like she gets, she gets, she gets it by the time she goes into the, 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 the nursing facility. Like she sure. understands yeah. the assignment, but like there are a number of times where I'm like, Cecilia, you have a phone, take a yeah. picture, take a picture, take a video, text somebody. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah, I got sure. a little bit frustrated, sure. but um, overall, I just, I think that this is a very well, deserved like place in this kind of like dark universe or whatever that they're trying to do with like these old um characters from like frankenstein and invisible man and the old I universal that, monsters yeah like this is the right way to do this you know what i mean like yeah to make it more modern and i think that the limited amount of use of special effects work really good in this movie yeah. And the movie, like for how fantastical of a movie it is, it makes sense in yeah. a weird way. Yeah. So like I I have a ton of fun with this. I think Lee Winnell, if you've ever seen Upgrade, um, if you like this movie, you should watch Upgrade because there's like sure. extended like uh action sequences just like in the God, it's not a police station. It's the like nursing home. I can't really think. It's like a corrective facility that she's doing. Sure. Yeah. But like the action sequence that happens in there. That's so good. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, like the, the, the movie is so incredibly well-made like this, this, this is probably the finest. Good. Oh, it looks, it looks incredible. This is the finest Blumhouse or Blumhouse, whatever you want to say, the finest Blumhouse out there. That's what I was going to say. Sorry. I got off track. I mean, it's just, it's, it's go ahead, go ahead. No, back in the day, like back in the day when you saw Blumhouse or Bloomhouse, so however you want to say it, you thought quality. Like you were like, ooh, quality. And like slowly over time, that feeling has kind of dissipated. As a lot lot of things go. But then like this comes out and you're like, ooh, they're back, baby. (laughs) I mean, like truly absolutely incredible. It's made so well. 
there's for me there's very little wrong with this movie to be honest like I mean, there are certainly some things that frustrate you. And I think that that's like, I think that's almost by design. And I, and I wonder, you know, I wonder like, you know, what you were saying earlier, like, like not using the phone or whatever. I wonder if part of that is, is like literally what, what she was planning, you know? Um, and by she, I mean, I mean the director. Um, I, I think like the, 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 the he, way that, by the, the way, the, oh, he, 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 sorry. The way that the whole opening sequence just, just rolls with it. Right. Oh, this movie is, does not pull any punches. It no, gets it right to the point. But, <laughs> but like the the way that it begins, and the way that the way that that um, Cecilia has to escape this this complex of a home, it's so well done because it shows you like this woman. And it's 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 obvious. I know it's it's elementary when we think about the movie, but it's important. Like this is something that she has been planning, not for like a day, not for a week, not for a month, but she's probably been planning this for like a, like a year, maybe even longer. There are so many complicated steps to take to get out of this place. And she is clearly so terrified, but she has finally made the moves to get the fuck out of there. We don't know what's happened, but in some ways it's almost, it's almost like better that we don't like, I mean, she's, she is so clearly terrified of, of this man that she is willing to sacrifice her her own body to get the fuck away from him. And it's just so well done. And that's just one scene. And this movie is a collection of scenes that are masterfully done. You just said it right there. The whole action scene um, at the corrective facility, incredible work. The, the, the scene where Sydney gets slapped, incredible. The dinner with the sister, oh my holy... God. Fucking shit. I remember when I when I first saw this movie, whenever that was, that scene blew me out of the fucking water. I, when, when that knife slits that throat and winds up right back in her hand, holy fucking shit. Incredible. One of the one of the most intense moments oh, I've seen sure. in cinema in a long time. <laughs> for sure. And like, and then and then also the final scene itself when she finally ta- when we get one of the greatest comeuppances in 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 film when she executes her plan to kill this motherfucker and not just get revenge but to get fucking justice is what she really does. Surprise. It's, oh my god, it's incredible. And the way that she does the phone call and then immediately gets off the phone and just watches him die. Oh my god. So so good. The, the only thing I will say about that at the end, because I was I was thinking about it this time, is I was like, is she not gonna wait for the police? Like <laughs> because she called 911. So I'm like, isn't that gonna seem a little weird that yeah. she fled? But probably a you little know bit, what? But but whatever. <laughs> I, I, but yeah. by the end of it, you're so happy that that yeah. she that <laughs> yeah. she wins the day. Um, that it's wonderful. And you know, look, it's back to our to our gaslighting theme here. This is a, a great film of of showing just how gaslighting can happen in family. I mean, really, this is all family in the end, um, even if whether it's extended or by marriage or whatever. But like the way that her sister and the way that that um that that her entire family gaslights her, even even when they don't even mean to, you know, like like they just don't believe her. And that's and that's gaslighting too. Yeah, I have so I have a question and I don't know if you have the answer but I I will pose it anyway. So 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 James, the the cop who she's staying with after yeah. she escapes. Did 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 I I didn't quite understand that relationship. So did she know him before or 
is because like there's there's an implication that like when the sister comes over she basically yeah. says like to the sister like hey you can't be here because he knows where you live and he could follow you and that's when she tells him that she he, he you know he killed himself but like they seem so comfortable together like james and 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 the girl and yeah. uh and 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 our main character cecilia it felt like they were old friends but like that doesn't make any sense given that she's there to be protected you know what i, I mean? mean like i mean to me to me it felt like they were family and so like i think that uh, i mean and i was actually it's funny that you're saying this because i was thinking of it too i was like was that relationship actually ever codified right I think, I think in my head i was thinking that the sister and james were together and that sydney was like her niece that that's how i read it unless i'm completely crazy I don't know. It, it, so I think that that maybe is maybe the one flaw of the movie is like, we yeah. don't truly understand the relationships. And I think that that's like, honestly, to me, that's the, it's the biggest flaw of the movie, but it's, it's only a little flaw in my opinion. Yeah, sure. Um, is that like, I don't truly understand all of the relationships outside of her and her sister. And even with her sister, I kind of don't really understand their relationship because when she picks her up, I'm literally on the side of the road at the beginning of the movie. She's like, what's going on? What's happening? Yeah, and I'm sure. like, you didn't tell her about this. Like you just said to her, pick me up on the side of the road at 3 a.m. Like, I mean, the, the, the way that I read that is that she is in such a state of surveillance that she couldn't yeah. say anything. Yeah, I get it. I just, I kind of think that like, I wish we just got a little bit more on the relationship side of things because this movie is really about at the end of the day, relationships and trusting people and like understanding, like, I don't know. Like, I think that that maybe misses the mark just a little bit for me. I think that understanding the relationship between Cecilia and um, Adrian, because we don't really quite understand. I mean, she says to us like he was physically, emotionally abusive. Yeah, sure. I I just wish that like we got a little bit more understanding of like what that relationship was like. Because literally, the opening of the movie is her escaping. You so know, L- Lee actually talks about that, and, and this this, oh, cool. apparently, this apparently comes from the commentary. Um, and uh, the note that I have here is uh, Lee Winnell chose not to have an an opening establishing Cecilia's predicament with Adrian, and this is quote. Because I wanted to just drop the audience into Cecilia's situation without any backstory and make them feel everything through her. Mm. And luckily, I had Elizabeth Moss, who is very good at communicating a lot to the audience without saying anything. That damn Scientologist. I know, right? But I mean, like, like <laughs> she's for, good. You gotta for, see that. <laughs> for, for me, I think it works. And another thing that I was thinking about today, because I, I, I do feel you on this. But one thing I was thinking about as I was getting ready for the episode was like, there is something interesting about like, okay, we, we don't know really what happened, but when we're thinking about a woman who's saying that she is in, in grave danger, do mm-hmm. we, do we believe her or not? Sure. Right? No, I, I, yeah, and, and, and I, I don't, it, don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm not saying that, that you're, that you're no, saying no, no. that, but like I'm, it, I it, it I is, know. it is interesting to think about just in context of the story. Like, Oh, wait a minute. If this were like, if this were my sister or if this were my friend or whatever, and like, I didn't know anything, but they were like, I'm in trouble. Help me. Like, how would I feel about it? You know, like what I, would I question them? What would I think like, what the fuck is going on? Or would I just be like, okay, I got you. Let's go. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I can see it both ways. Like, yeah, I, sure. I, I think that it's only my, um, 
my internal structure is I want to know more. Mm-hmm. Like I always want to know more. So like that's like that's why a movie like this is challenging for me. But I yeah, still sure. so t- I still totally enjoy it. Like I can't. Well, and the, um, the other thing too is I actually forgot how long the movie was. I mean, it's it's two hours. It's long. two hours. Two, yeah, two hours and four minutes, and it doesn't feel that way. They don't waste any time. They don't waste any time. Um, but also too, like I mean, it's almost like if if he was going to establish more relationship stuff, it'd be we'd even prob- longer. We yeah. probably need, need another half hour, you know. Yeah. And I and I think that that that's where it would probably get too long. I would imagine. Then it's then it's like a TV show. You know, what I mean? you, know well, you know what? That, it's a great way to put it. Like I mean, then then it you would almost need it to be episodic so that you could like keep keep the rhythm of it going. Almost like it, it would almost just be too much for one movie. I feel like. Yeah, I, I I feel you on that. Yeah. Um, a couple of things I have in my notes. Um, I I I put in this one. I really like the credits at the beginning. The like credits when are great. They, totally like when agree. the waves are splashing up and oh. you kind of get like the silhouette of the of the credits. I thought that was really. I mean, listen, motherfucker, put me in. I will live in that house all the live long day. What Listen, a fucking amazing place. Bring it if on. I could hear those waves all night, I probably would be able to sleep. So. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Incredible. Um, I, I, just, I also wrote at the house, by the way, in, in the opening sequence, I said, oh, my God, just leave the dog. Like, I get it. He's got a collar on, but motherfucker, just go run. Leave the yeah, dog. Because that's, be that's what sets off the alarm. Um, um, what, what do I have? The, like, why do I have this in my notes? You are close to him. He's... Oh, <laughs> I liked that part with the brother where she goes to meet with him the first time and she's like not really believing that he's dead. And the brother is like, uh, she's like, he feels like close, you know, like he feels like all well, he is. He's in that urn right there. Yeah, I love that line, actually. <laughs> and I do like the the swerve of the brother being in the suit. I do, too. Um, yeah. When she shoots him in the house. I think that that's a really interesting um way to like subvert the audience's expectations of, it's like, unexpected yeah. yeah because you do have a moment where you're like oh shit it was the brother the whole time like he was like getting revenge or whatever and then you kind of get the last scene of the movie um but i just thought that that and the, the manipulation of the news in this movie too is yeah. so interesting because it really does show that like with enough money, you can make anything happen. Like it I is mean, honestly wild. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like if if you're a person who has enough money, you can solve pretty much any problem in 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 the world in which we live right now, um, which is uh, terrifying in itself. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed this, but like when she goes to the hospital for the first time after she faints at her um, job interview, yeah. she, there's a man that's wheeled out in the middle of the hospital and he's bandaged just like the original. Oh, no way. I, I totally missed that. Yeah. He's like, he's like wheeled out and she kind of like makes eye contact with him and they show him and he's bandaged up just like the original. Oh, guess um, I'll have to watch it again. Poor me. Another one that you have in our notes here is that uh, Adrian's door code is 1933, which was when which the original is great. Movie. Love yeah, that. I think that that's, I, I love little things like that yeah. where you, they don't hit you over the head with it, but it's like, <laughs> if you see it, you see it. Like, I don't also, know what to tell you. It's funny too. Like apparently <laughs> army hammer and Alexander Skarsgård were the, were the top choices for, for the, for the, um, for the titular role. Um, uh, can see and, both. I think that Alexander Skarsgård is a little bit on I think he the nose too much. Yeah. because of, um, not pretty little liars 
big big little lies i think yeah. that that's uh, but a little actually, too on the nose <laughs> it's funny i i mean I've, I've seen the movie before of course but i totally forgot that oliver jackson cohen was was the person and i really did in my head think it was army hammer so reading that Makes note sense. i was like oh there you go that's funny um i think that uh when she takes down um the brother and she's like yeah oh i just realized something about you you're just like him, mm-hmm. but you're the jellyfish version of him. Yeah, totally. Like, no spine. And I was like, damn, girl. <laughs> and she like throws the <laughs> she throws the papers on the floor and then grabs the pen. And then that ends up being like a whole other thing. But I was like, that's when I really get on board with Cecilia because then she finally like takes action into her own hands and like yeah. fucking does the job because there's a part, especially like where she gets an Uber <laughs> or a Lyft yeah, all the yeah. way to the house to go try to figure out what's going on. She finds the suit. She activates the suit. She watches the suit activate and then she hides it. And I was like, girl, just either Put take the suit or like, <laughs> put it on or take a video of it or something because this is your evidence. Like, yeah, no, I agree. That part frustrated me. And I'll just say like, that was the only scene in the movie where I was like, girl, what are you doing? Because like, there's so many parts where she's so smart, where she like, there's the part where she thinks she like sees something. So she grabs that can of paint and yeah, like, throws sure. it on him and you see the invisible man for the first time. Like she's a smart character. Yeah. So like that, that part, I was like, what are you doing? And obviously yeah, it, it pays off at the end because you get that awesome scene where she, you know, kills the guy. But like that part for me was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I do get it. You know, I, I wonder too, like, um, I, I, and I, it's like, I'm trying to find ways to defend her almost like, yeah, I wonder, no, I, I wonder it's like, she was living in such a, like a, I don't a know state. what the word I'm looking yeah. for is, but yeah, a state, she was living in a state for so long and I don't really know how long, but clearly for a while. And, um, it's almost like, I wonder how much of her faculties like were, were diminished because of it. Like, sure. Yeah. When, when you live under somebody's thumb for so long, it's almost like, you don't really know how to live in the world. So it like it, it makes you question like, okay, well, how often was she really able to take photos? Was she able to text people that often? Was she able to do this, that, and the other thing? It's like, it, it's it's almost interesting to like, if, if you take your frustrations with the film and sort of pin them back to Adrian, it like almost like enhances the quality of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? No, I get, I get, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just like my own. My I own get it. Yeah. Mis- <laughs> I mean, things, look, there, but... there, ha- there has to be something frustrating about a character or, or there wouldn't be the tension there. Yeah. Um, I cannot I, say I enough. Too, you, you mentioned the suit. Like, just to talk about that, the suit is fucking cool. I, like, I like that this is like yeah. a real thing. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because in the original Invisible Man, if I remember correctly, it's like a potion yeah, or exactly. something. Like, yeah. I like that this is explainable it's you know optics. what i mean yeah yeah i i do like that about it and i think that's like what gave such like a mystery about the first time watching it is you're like is he a ghost like sure. is like what's going on here and like by the time you get to like what's actually going on you're like wow that's like actually that actually seems like it could happen in the near it's, future. It's, exactly, it seems plausible, and and it, like I was I was really thinking about that on, on this on this watch because I I haven't watched I haven't watched this in I don't know, at least a year and a half maybe maybe even longer, um like 
it's it's something that you know i i see this suit that's made of cameras and i don't know how it works or whatever but like my first thought was oh god that could come out like next year like for real like <laughs> and that's that's where we are in the world now and that's that adds to just to the to the horror of the film like knowing that this is something that actually could happen and like you know there's there's always that like that 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 question for kids like if you could have one superpower what would it be would you be could you fly would you have superhuman strength or could you be invisible and right. like that's something that sort of it's something that for many of us gets posed to us as sort of like a fantasy question when we're really young, but like, think of the havoc that you could create if you really were invisible. Think of the, the terrible things that you could do. Think of also the good things that you can do, but it's, it's wild to think that like, I don't know, it doesn't seem that impossible to me anymore that like in you a couple could, of years, there might be a fucking invisibility suit. Who the fuck knows? You could also turn into hollow man. So. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. A hollow man. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll get that into the show somehow. We'll see. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, I I personally would choose telekinesis because I'm lazy. <laughs> so. Oh, good point. I don't know what I would choose anymore. I gotta think about that. I'm not sure. I just want to be Carrie, so that's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, make I'm fucking. I'm gonna light shit on fire, baby. Fire. Seriously. <laughs> anyway, uh, Maddie, we think we've talked this movie to death. Sure. What do you give The Invisible Man 2020? It is a double six in this episode for me. Another six here. Um, I said I love this film. It's a masterful take and reboot on the original. It takes one through the terrifying motions of everyone thinking one's insane, only to deliver one hell of a satisfying end. I'm almost there with you. I gave it a 5.5. I said, I wish there was a little bit more context around the relationship, but this movie still rocks. Solid effects and tension building compounded by a solid action revenge flick. Nice. Well, folks, that does it for uh, The Invisible Man. We'll be right back to close out the show. Shantae, you stay. 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 All right, folks, that does it for episode 115. But before we let you go, we are going to close it out with a game. Very complicated. It's called Hottie of the Episode. And it's where Andrew and I tell you who we think in either one of these films who is the hottest. So, Andrew, I will let you go first. My hottie of the episode comes from The Invisible Man. Tell us. And it is James Aldous Hodge. Yeah. I think that that is a very muscular, very good-looking man. And uh, you can be my personal bodyguard any time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, nice. Um, mine's also from The Invisible Man. But it's not who you're thinking. Who do you think it is, actually? I would think you were going to go with Adrian. So, actually, no. Although, he's, he's a very attractive person. Funny enough, I actually think that the brother is really kind of sexy. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, so, Michael Dorman is his name. Um, and I haven't actually watched a lot of the movies that he's been in, but I'm going to watch more of them. He's been in, he's it's been very in a lot of like, shit. It's very, like, succession of you. Yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> I, like, I wouldn't normally make that choice, but something about him just, I don't know. It makes sense to me. So that's my hottie of the episode. Cool. Well, that's our game for the end of yes, episode 115. Hello. <laughs> um, so a little couple of things just to close out the show. You know, if you thought that the last hour and a half slash two hours of this conversation was worth your time, you know, consider maybe a little gift 
to the pod, you can either do that by buying merch or joining Patreon for a dollar, literally a dollar. So you get basically every episode for 50 cents because we have two episodes a month. Yep. So it's a dollar, people. Like we, I know that it doesn't seem like a lot, but to us, it does really mean a lot. So maybe just consider it. You can, yeah, do this, you can do so by going to fraggy13.com slash support or look us up on Patreon. And folks, if you if you've already given to us or if that's just not on the cards for you right now, no big deal. We, we understand. Um, do us a favor. Leave us a review. Uh, we've been out for six years as of this episode, um, and we don't have enough reviews, quite frankly, to um, to match that, if I'm being honest. So if you are one of those people, one of our loyal listeners who has not yet left a review or if you're new to the show and uh, you like what you heard, please go leave a review. If you didn't like what you heard. Don't um, go just, fuck yourself. Just, <laughs> just, just stop listening is, is my advice to you. Cause this is what they always are. Um, no, but for real folks, uh, look, well, I think we'll end the show this way just by saying it's, it's, uh, you know, we had our, we had our big five years last year and our hundredth episode and our big trip and everything. Um, you know, this year it's, it's just nice to come to it to yet another anniversary, six years, um, of having a great time together, creating a show that we really love, um, and doing it for you. Um, and, uh, at the heart of it all, we've said this a bunch over the years, but, but I'll say it again, is that we get to be in community with all these people around the world, um, who also love horror in the same way. Um, so thank you for being a listener, whether it's your first time or whether you've been here for all the six years. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Um, Andrew, you want to say anything? No, I just uh, want to say I appreciate you, and I appreciate that yeah, we still make the time to do this, because given the vast amount of changes that have happened In over the last <laughs> over the last six years, I can't believe we kept this boat afloat. So. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Total, totally agree. And, and it's something that we're really proud of. So we hope that uh, we hope that you really love it, because we love making it for you. Um, so folks, as always, we're going to end it with a phrase that we love to tell you every single time that you listen to the show. And that is, Andrew, that we want everyone here to go and get, get slayed. slayed.